PM Ball Bombs. Welcome back to another EM Board Bombs podcast. I'm your host, just happy to be here, Blake Briggs, co-founder, co-host of EM Board Bombs. But today I'm just the solo host, as we call it. This is a solo Briggs podcast, which I feel like we need to make an entirely new theme to these episodes that I'm doing alone, solo Briggs. You know, sometimes I amaze even myself. Hopefully Disney doesn't sue us for this little adventure. So anyway, let's get into this podcast. We're talking about a very interesting topic today. We'll dive into it. We got an 87-year-old male arriving to the ED after a fall at home. He states he was hanging Christmas tree lights. The nurses and techs in the room stop in their tracks and immediately panic. Christmas is only three months away. It's already October, they say. Some excuse themselves from the room to do Christmas shopping on Amazon. Meanwhile, the patient is taken to CT. He's found to have an intracranial bleed. He has one centimeter midline shift and active extravasation. His family states that he lives alone and normally does all his tasks on his own. He is on dabigatran. Which of the following is the best next step? Choice A, fresh frozen plasma. Choice B, idrocizumab. Choice C, four-factor prothrombin complex concentrate. Choice D, indexinin. Correct answer here is choice B, idiracizumab. So we're talking about anticoagulation reversal in patients with a true emergency. Really interesting topic here. The most amazing thing is somehow we're going to cover all of this, which is all the, basically the DOAX and warfarin reversal in less than 15 minutes. I know the odds are against me, but... Never tell me the odds. That's right. Anyway, we're going to be covering a very interesting topic here. Quick, high-yield board summary, but first I have to tell you about EM Rapid Bombs and EM Board Bombs. Now, EM Board Bombs is an amazing podcast. Come for the stems, stay for the content. We have amazing amount of high-yield information for your boards. People are ranting. They're also ranting and raving about EM Board Bombs. We are providing such unique medical education for emergency medicine, such high-yield topics for boards, and hashtag EM Life. Check out our website at emboardbombs.com. We're on all the social media platforms, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook. Check us out and go to our website. We have free study guides available for PDF download, or you can read them on the website. You can also listen to our podcast from the website, but that's kind of weird. Everyone just streams them on their phones now. And also you can check out our question bank podcast, the EM Rapid Bombs. If you're looking for the easiest way to study for boards ever, ever invented, that's us. That's EM Rapid Bombs podcast. It's available as a unique subscription question answer format and you're getting all this high-yield coaching. We're telling you what's on the boards. That's the most amazing thing ever. There's no guesswork about it. We're telling you what you're gonna be testing on. We tell you what's wrong on the boards, what's right on the boards, and also what's different about it in real life occasionally. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it where you can do other things during the day and get that drip learning format where you're doing a couple questions maybe a day or one question every day. You can do that. We have over 385 episodes and counting on EM Rapid Bombs. Board season's coming up. Check it out. Get your studying period on. We have over 85% retention rate after boards. People listen to us long-term because they realize this is the best and easiest way to stay up to date with medical education. The fundamentals you have to know to be a good emergency physician. Let's continue on here with this awesome STEM here. 
So, like I said, we got a lot of hard-to-pronounce words. Good thing Iltafat is not joining us today. <laughs> it's like two weeks in a row, Iltafat and I have not been able to do the podcast together. I think he just texted me. He's like, nah, bro, I'm good. I'm not going to pronounce those words. <laughs> As you, many of you know, Iltafat is an ESL, and he struggles a lot with some of these words. But we're talking about anticoagulation reversal. Nearly 65,000 patients visit U.S. emergency departments annually for anticoagulation-related hemorrhage. That's not even including direct thrombin inhibitors and factor 10 inhibitors. So that's everything else but those. And that figure likely has added a few thousand more since I just started this episode. <laughs> How many people are on blood thinners now that you take care of? Even people coming in for like ankle sprains. And you're like, hey, you got any medical problems? No, but I'm on Xarelto. And they're like, whoa, what? <laughs> you're like 34. <laughs> anyway, so I want to use this episode to cover the high yield content on the reversal of various anticoagulant agents. Now it's important to define when reversal should occur. Bleeding is a spectrum, as are many things in medicine, and bleeding that is initially minor can sometimes become more significant or even life-threatening. So clinical judgment's needed here, right? I can't tell you right now, and the boards can't either, what is gonna need reversal. They're never gonna ask you that. And in real life, it is on a spectrum. You just kinda know when you're seeing the patient. So clinical judgment's needed to determine you know, the risk to the patient, the appropriate degree of concern regarding is the bleeding getting better, right? Is it a laceration that is arterial, but hey, you're holding pressure, you're you know, maybe addressing the arterial bleed, putting a purse string suture in, something like that, and it's getting better versus, oh gosh, no, we've tried everything and it's, it's much worse and now they're hypotensive. Well, that's a completely different situation. The easy definition of serious bleeding though is any significant blood loss requiring a blood transfusion or bleeding into a critical closed space, aka the brain. <laughs> Most commonly, it will be intracranial bleeding or compartment syndrome. Now, major bleeding may also include bleeding requiring an intervention, right? So like surgery or procedure. That would be major bleeding, obviously. The most common scenario you'll routinely see, however, on the boards is intracranial hemorrhage. And that honestly is most common in real life as well. Like active bleeding hemorrhage or a midline shift with neuro changes or ultramental status. It's good to coordinate these discussions of reversal with a neurologist or neurosurgeon However, you may be on your own. And if you're concerned, don't hesitate to reverse the patient. So we have three groups of anticoagulants that you can reverse. You get the vitamin K antagonists, which sound like a big group, but it's really just warfarin or coumadin. <laughs> you got the direct thrombin antagonists, which also sound like a big group, but the only one you'll ever be tested on and the only one that's really on the market is dabigatran. And then of course the factor 10A inhibitors, which are by far the most frequently encountered. That is rivaroxaban and apixaban, also known as, you know, Xarelto and Eliquis which we're not sponsored by. We don't want to be. <laughs> I don't think I really want to be sponsored by a blood thinner. Last dose here is important to consider. When was the last time they took their dose? Most patients take it every day, religiously, because they're concerned about a clot. Very, you know, obviously makes sense. However, sometimes they don't take it for a few days. So consider anticoagulation that to have fully resolved, basically, after five half-lives have elapsed since the last dose. And if you're trying to think of the math in your head, don't worry about it. To simplify this, that essentially means, in rough math, that for rivaroxaban and apixaban, Xarelton Eliquis, that's about two days. For dabigatran, that's about three days. Since their last dose, that means that they are fully reversed automatically, just due to time. Now, another thing to consider is that coagulation studies are essentially useless for patients on DOAX, these direct oral anticoagulants. So don't bother getting them. You can get them if you want. They're not going to make a difference. They don't change anything in terms of reversal. They don't mean anything. Now, Coumadin, let's talk about that one first, acts through the inhibition of vitamin K epoxide reductase. 
which literally I have not said that word or seen that word since step one. <laughs> I forgot it existed. Now what happens here is Coumadin will limit the synthesis of factors 2, 7, 9, and 10. The way I remember this is 27910. Think of a zip code. And it also limits the production of protein CNS. Now, of course, warfarin or coumadin is the exception to the rule I was talking about earlier with DOAX. Obviously, the INR here is very helpful, and you should get INRs on patients who are on warfarin or coumadin because that does provide useful information about their coagulation status. Now, all patients who are actively bleeding should receive 5 to 10 milligrams of IV vitamin K. It's a slow infusion, and the time of onset is, is delayed. It's like 2 to 6 hours. Sometimes up to greater than 24 hours are needed for an effective response. So, aka, this isn't going to do anything for your actively bleeding patient. You give it, of course, but you have to give something else instead that acts faster. Traditionally, that medication was called fresh frozen plasma. It contains all the coag factors in a non-concentrated form. FFP is like any blood product. It's type-specific. You have to type in cross-match the patient. You have to thaw out the FFP. There are risks associated with transfusion. Of course, there are very small, minuscule we don't even think about them risks, right? Bloodborne infections, allergic reactions, whatever. They're very small risks, but they're there. They're single-digit percents, less than single-digit percents, but they're there. The other concern is that FFP takes time to thaw, depending on where you're at. You may not even have FFP at some of your shops if you're working in a really, really rural critical access hospital. So large volumes of FFP may be required here too, so that's not going to help you if your hospital has limited blood products. And you don't really want to give that much volume to a patient anyway, right? A lot of these patients are older. Can they really handle increasing intravascular volume, resulting in, you know, worsening heart failure, pulmonary edema, and then you have to intubate them? Oh my gosh, what a mess. So don't worry about that. Instead, there's a much better thing out there. It's four-factor PCC, prothrombin complex concentrate. It contains what you'd expect, factors 7, 2, 9, and 10. So 27910. There's only one study that has compared FFP to PCC head-to-head, -head, and the PCC pretty much did better at everything. Corrected the INR faster. Not surprising, right? Because it's easy to prepare this. You don't have to type and screen it. You just mix it in a little bag and give it. It's much less volume. It delivers essentially more bang for the buck in terms of volume and clotting factor delivered. Now, in that study, mortality rates were the same. So it's not like PCC is this golden drug and you should always be giving it. However, essentially on the test and in real life, PCC has replaced FFP. For the majority of patients, there's some very, very, very rare exceptions to this. The PCC is the drug you give for rapid reversal of warfarin or Coumadin. Okay, let's get into direct thrombin inhibitors. This was the correct answer on the question I gave you here. There's only one drug you need to know here, and that's dabigatran. The reversal agent is idarizumab. It's crazy spelling. If Iltafat saw this, he would, he would completely shut down. <laughs> but that's it. That's the only agent, idarizumab. There are no other options. If you do not have access to idarizumab, you give four-factor BCC. Don't give both, though. That was easy. <laughs> All right. The last category here is the factor 10A inhibitors. Rivaroxaban, which is Arelto, or Apixaban, which is Eliquis. There's also Fondaparino, which is Erixtra, but honestly, I haven't seen that in years, so I'm <laughs> not sure how common you're encountering that one. Anyway, you have two options here. Four-factor PCC again, or the new agent with just hit the market, exciting stuff, Andexanet. But you shouldn't use Andexanet because it is super expensive. We're talking greater than 20 grand. And I'm being modest with that number. I don't like overshoot, but I, I, I have heard at one point it was almost 30 to 40 grand. It's expensive. 
there is insufficient evidence about the risks and benefits to strongly favor four-factor PCC or Andexin over the other. A lot of hospitals don't even carry Andexin yet because it's so blasted expensive, and there's no study to support its advantage. Now, these reversal agents, the PCC and Andexinit, have never been compared directly with each other in a randomized trial. I'm sure the pharmaceutical company is looking forward to that, right? Hint, hint, nudge, nudge, JK. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> if anyone tells you that Andexinit is preferred over PCC in the case of factor 10A inhibitors, they're either getting paid by that drug company or they don't know what they're talking about, or both. <laughs> so the test will never talk about Andexinit because it's just too new. It came out, I think it got approved by the FDA in 2018 or so. This is too new of a drug to be on test questions. Email me if you've seen it somehow in your review banks, but it's just too new. So don't ever worry about that. On the test question, if you have a patient on a factor 10 inhibitor, rivaroxaban, aripixaban, or fondaparino, you're giving Factor 4 PCC, just like warfarin Coumadin, okay? Don't worry about the Addex in it yet. Studies will come out hopefully in the future saying that it's overly expensive. We just don't know enough information yet to make a decision on index in it. All right, let's wrap it up here. So we got reversal agents here to remember. Remember that Coumadin or Warfarin, you give vitamin K, doesn't work for 24 hours, and then you give Factor 4 PCC. If you don't have that, you can give FFP, but Factor 4 PCC is favored over FFP. I feel like there's a lot of acronyms here. Dabigatran, you're giving idarcizumab. That's it. No other options. If you don't have idarcizumab, you can give 4-factor PCC and hope and pray. Factor 10A inhibitors, rivaroxaban and apixaban, you are giving Factor 4 PCC. And that is it here for this quick summary. Hopefully this was a nice, easy review of a great topic. Know your reversal agents. Know when to give them. Know the situations. Know the half-lives as well. About two days for the 10A inhibitors. About three days for dabigatran in general. And that's really it. Thanks for joining us. Check out EM Rapid Bombs and EM Board Bombs at emboardbombs.com. See you next time.